Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you this week from the 11th tee on the links of Ely and Earls Ferry, one of the most special places on a special corner of God's green earth. And this is episode 28, The Kindness of Strangers and Black Creek Club. Today, Fred and I recap what made our recent winter golf getaway to the Chattanooga, Tennessee area so special and so fun. We lament a canceled event at Sweetens Cove, the mother of all Plan Bs, and also do a brief deep dive on what makes Black Creek Club a very special place. It's the passion project of its owner, Chattanooga's living golf legend, Doug Stein. He commissioned golf architect Brian Silva to transform an otherwise largely nondescript valley floor, there's no other way to say it, and infuse it with classic golf strategy from golf's golden age, employing unique and modern interpretations of some of the best golf template holes. For our group, it was an opportunity to experience golf in a rare style. Neither neoclassical faux links nor hulking mass-produced projects from a late 20th century master. It's almost novel in that it neither attempts to blend or bend to nature. Instead, just presenting a golf course that asks diverse and interesting questions. And it's a terrific walk to boot. I think you'll hear the enjoyment come through in Fred and my conversation. Before then, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com. It's the home of the podcast for the serious golfers. Reminder, you can interact with this show on Twitter at Blind Shots Pod, as well as on Instagram, and I'd encourage you to check out those feeds now and then. Finally, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored by me, and only me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling their homes, and also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in the central Kentucky market. You can find my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. If you have a real estate question, uh, no matter how big nor small, feel free to reach out to me and maybe I can help you. And with that, here are Fred and I talking Sweetens Cove, Chattanooga, Black Creek Club, and a winter getaway. How bad were your winter doldrums leading up to this trip? Like, how bad was your cabin fever that you – because you kind of drove through the remnants of an ice storm and a blizzard and a polar vortex <laughs> to get to Chattanooga. So tell, us a, tell me a little bit about uh, – because I'd been looking forward to it for two months solid. Um, <laughs> so where were you with February golf? Um well, you know, as as the first time that the trip was brought up, you know, it was it was uh, different arrangements, we'll call it. And, uh, you know, due to that polar vortex and ice storm and whatever you want to refer to, things got changed. But I will I will tell you that I was um, I was uh, at my end of looking out my window here and seeing nothing but uh, white and um, and ice. I mean, I was I was completely tired of that scene. So I was, you know, I as I always do, I always set the little the little countdown timer on my phone for golf events, and I was <laughs> I was thoroughly checking that as it as it was ticking down day by day. So um, I'm the same. I was way. ready to go. 
In the yeah. same way, yeah. I've got my little countdown timer. Um, yeah, I've already got it set for this summer. Uh, mm-hmm. Just counting down months and weeks and, and days. <laughs> you know, one of the. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say I've got a little bit of an advantage on you because I've had maybe five or six um, through December, January, February, which is our our worst weather. Mm-hmm. But we don't courses don't shut down around here. I mean, Cincinnati is kind of the transition zone, and we had a very mild winter before that. Those consecutive snow and ice events um, kind of overtook us. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd probably played since I last saw you. I probably played five or six, maybe nine whole rounds, just to kind of get mm-hmm. out. And um, the weather had been well enough that going to the range wasn't a miserable experience uh, with the. The state of Columbus in that area being a little further up there, yeah, I I was curious how if you were getting itchy, if you were starting to get a little. Uh, yeah, I had uh, yeah, I would definitely had uh, had the itch. I had um, well, I had when you when you get to that point and you haven't been able to get out to uh, to get the clubs out. There's oftentimes I find myself cleaning my golf clubs for no apparent reason other than just the fact that I can get them out and like line them up somewhere and like you know make them all pretty. Yeah. So I, I did that several times, but as as I showed you, I I failed to clean the golf shoes off. So when I got down to you know, Chattanooga and got my golf shoes out of the bag that they're in. Um, there was probably a good handful of uh, dormy club sand in that uh, in that bag that had come out of my shoes from the from December when we went golfing. So, I'm gonna get a bill for that. Thanks. <laughs> probably that they knew how much I took out of that bunker with me. They may be calling. They may be calling, bud. You know, you're you're referencing a a, a golf trip in December we took down to the Sand Hills. You know, one of the things that was really cool about this trip for me is that it was a golf trip with some new guys. Like there were going to be some familiar faces, um, you and me and and John Mark eventually, but there were some, uh, you know, there. It was a collection of guys that literally I was the center of the the Venn diagram, and I don't know that your <laughs> that the other circles had really interacted much. Now Ethan and Andrew became fast friends, and they may know each other from some KGA championship events Mm -hmm. but that was i thought for me that added an extra layer of excitement because to this want to get to play golf and and hang out off the course with some some new people that i haven't um before but uh i'm going to tell you this as a as a golf trip planner as kind of an organizer the thing that makes you nervous is how's that chemistry going to be between all the other people? Because I know I'm in, I'm going to enjoy everyone else's company. There, mm-hmm. So there are two things. There's the, the chemistry issue, which is just critically important. Uh, now, I wasn't worried too much about it. This is a pretty laid-back group of, of really golf diehards that are going to go down you know, in the middle of a blizzard and play. <laughs> um, but the other thing, and this one's much harder – and I, I struggle with this on our, our summer golf trip sometimes. I knew that Andrew was a legitimate player. Like he, his game, he is a plus handicap, and I don't, you know, mid-season it's probably a little better. Like he's, you know, he's a real player. And I know, I knew that the rest of us weren't. <laughs> For, <laughs> you know, you and me and Charlie are, you know, roughly around the same. And John Mark, if he can stop 
snap hooking, you know, left going left, you know, we can have a competitive game. So a uh, friend of the podcast, podcast, uh, Ethan Fisher, well, he used to be friend of the podcast. Now he's running his own podcast for Golf House Kentucky. So he's a, uh, yeah, you can. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's you can, cool. You can find that on, on all the major feeds. He's got, he, for 2021, he has started up, uh, he's heading up the new KGA podcast. So yeah, check oh, that very out. Cool. I will. I will. Um, but so I knew Andrew was a player and I was hoping cause he's taking Ethan's a PGA professional now. So he's got no, you know, those guys don't keep a handicap by and large. And I didn't know how much he played cause his role with that organization, he's their comms director. He's their media person, communications, um, mm-hmm does a lot of work on site with tournaments instead of playing in them. So uh, it worked out that those two were, they had very different games, but they could kind of keep up with, with each other score wise. And I, I, it's all, I think it's always a worry if you've got someone whose skill level puts them on an Island, be it good mm-hmm. or bad. Um, so that, that we had kind of a balance there at the top. And then the rest of us were, you know, down there having fun, knocking the rust off was, um, I don't know if you got that same vibe, but that was something I was holding my breath a little bit. And then a couple of holes in, I realized, well, I've got, I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Uh, it did bring back some memories, you know, playing some, uh, some little, uh, branch campus, uh, golf tournaments back in the day, walking up to the, to the putting green and, uh, looking around it. And I, you know, there's no one else there that day. I mean, it was still pretty cold, right? Yeah. Um, some some elderly folks that would roll up, and I'm like, okay, that's probably not part of our group. But <laughs> walking up to that that practice green and seeing a guy that you're like, okay, this could be, and you, you know, those, hey, are are you here with Dave? Well, yeah, are you here with Dave? Yeah, that brought back some memories of trying to trying to you know figure out who you were playing with that day and so on and so forth. But that was fun. Sorry about that. I should have. I was. I was gonna meet. I was gonna beat everybody there, and I got about two miles away from the cabin and realized I've got no shoes in the car, so I had to turn around and go back. So I was a bad host. Sorry about that, Fred. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, I don't think you would have beat me to the course anyway. But I was, uh, I was doing the, the best impersonation I could of you on the freeway, <laughs> on my way down there. But I was zipping right along. And so. we we were so proud of you. Um, you mentioned that this trip started out as something else. And I mentioned this on, on a previous episode when I did a little monologue the other day, but I'll flesh it out. We were originally slated to go to Sweden's Cove. That was the the origin of this trip. Um, and that course, I believe, has Bermuda greens, which are sensitive. They're you know, ultra-cold sensitive. So they had to, to pull the tarps up on them. So, yeah, on... Three questions for you on Sweetens. How -hmm. excited were you to finally get to play this place that has taken on, you know, in some circles almost has a a mythical Mm -hmm. Nirvana status? Uh, I was super stoked to play there. Um, That's been one of the courses that, you know, I've talked to you, you know, multiple times over the past couple of years. I was like, dude, we need to try to get down there. Um, You know, I've seen, I've seen, all the videos that, you know, that are posted on YouTube and, you know, some of the podcasts that, you know, you've, you've turned me on to, or I've ended up finding from other folks that have been on your podcast, um, you know, lots of talk about it, you know, lots of talk about the, the greens and, you know, just, just thinking about, you know, where you can chip the ball to keep it on the green, 
Yeah, I was I was all in to play Sweetens Cove. Yeah, it, it may be the original golf porn genesis. <laughs> you know, there's so yeah. so many golden hour photos and drone shots and drone captures. Um, you know, and it's famous as much for the golf course as the vibe that they curate down there, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because uh, that's not. I don't know if that's something that's high on our scale when we're kind of thinking about and assessing courses. Maybe maybe I play with my head down a little too much and not head up, kind of enjoying the scenery. But I, I try to find a good balance of both. Um, but I guess with that, part two of the question, how crushed were you when you found out that we wouldn't be playing it that, that week? Um, I'll be honest. I was – you know, it, it was a it was a pretty good letdown. But, you know uh, – I was watching the weather and, you know, when it's unfortunate when you see like on your phone, you know, I have multiple destinations on my on my phone. I still have, you know, Pinehurst as one of the uh, one of my options to see what the weather is on my phone. Pinehurst never um, comes off of mine. It's, it's <laughs> so, permanent. So I keep looking down, you know, and I've seen it was at Ross Common, Michigan is on there yep. from when we went up there. Uh, I don't I don't ever take them off, but I had added, you know. Um, that area, you know, onto my phone and I kept seeing, you know, it was just like this big wave of like blue going across it every day. And I'm like, well, either snow or ice, that's not good. Right. It's not good. I was holding out hope though. Um, you know, and then when you first told us that the, it was closed for the week, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe it's just that day and we're going to sneak in on that, yeah, that Saturday. Saturday right. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, what was it the day before or two days before they were like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Um, but I was, it, it, it hurt. I'll be honest. It hurt. Um, I was a little disappointed, but you know, I was still, I was, I had cleaned my golf clubs like three times. I had to go golfing. You know, there was no turning back. Well, that's the way out here. Here's where I was. And you know, there was a, we were, there was a, never a refund window on that cabin. And I'm mm-hmm. just – I'm so cheap that it's like I can't – even though it was like $220, like I can't let that go. I can't not go down there. Like I'll just go down there and write for the blog or something. I don't know. But I, I didn't take any time to mourn. I instantly like pulled up the map and started looking. It's like, okay, how far south can we drive <laughs> and still reasonably sleep at the, the cabin up there at the tri-state where Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama meet? It's like do I have to go – it's an hour to the closest Robert Trent Jones trail site. Can you know? Can can I take these guys there? How's that gonna? Is that gonna work out? They're gonna they're gonna be a revolt. I'm gonna get buried in a lake <laughs> at some trail site in North Alabama, uh, right? So yeah, I I don't think I allowed myself to get down. I, I just worried that I felt bad for one for everybody that wouldn't get to go, and especially the guys that had chipped in on the cabin. But yeah, I, I was worried about that, and then once once I figured out that they had hooked us up with Black Creek, I was like, okay, you know what? That's that's something, and it, it's oh, it's yeah. special because uh, that's not something that would usually be available to us. So, yeah. so question for you: So how did that work? I mean, I know that you sent out some some notes that um, the folks there at um, Sweetens had tried to reach out you had you had talked to them about the about the cabin and we were still coming down and yeah, what it was is the uh, some of the the folks at the king with the king Collins group okay that's the architects mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. builders, and I assume they still have an ownership interest. I don't. I'm not 100. percent um, You know, I know Peyton and some other mm-hmm. uh, kind of celebrities bought into to Sweden's. Um, but a couple of weeks before that, I had reached out at somebody. There was some pissing match going on on Twitter, um, and I just reached out to them and said, "Hey, you know." I just felt like doing a good deed. I said, hey, you know, you guys have really inspired a lot of people. Uh, you've started a, a good vibe. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, kind mm-hmm. of a don't let the bastards get you down, which who who am I to give them a pep talk? But it's just what popped in my head, that random moment. So I'd struck up a conversation. They, I'd sent out my um, a picture of my timer that I guess they'd seen that tweet, uh, my countdown timer to the Swedens. They said, yeah, so you're coming down. And we'd kind of gone back and forth. And when I saw the, uh, the announcements from the – the GM or the crew at Sweden's, they had put on Instagram that hey, we're, they showed them pulling the tarps out over the greens, which is just the saddest thing. That's like seeing a rain delay come on. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know this this game's never never going to get restarted. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Better luck next year. Um, yeah, we'll make. There's no excuse why we haven't been down before. So it was a good deal. We'll try. You know, their their day passes are booked out for the the active season. Pretty. Uh, basically all year. Like maybe we could do the Brown thing again next year. Uh, and so I, I lamented to him, say, you know, here's the worst part. We've got this cabin and it's paid for. So I told him what I told you. I was like, I'm trying to figure out where will we be able to play from there? And they like five minutes, trade a couple of messages. And I'm kind of like, don't, don't go to any trouble, man. It, it's okay. Because I'm sure everybody will be closed around there. Well, he's like, nope, five minutes later, so you got 11 o'clock tea times Friday and Saturday because he's friends with Mr. Stein that owns, you know, built and, and owns Black Creek. So, again, those guys built up, and, and you met Mr. Stein. Yeah. He's just a, yeah. a diehard golf addict. Couldn't have Absolutely. been. Absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Golf of the Chattanooga area couldn't have been, couldn't have been more gracious, couldn't have been more welcoming. Yeah. Um, I could sit there. I'd listen to him. He was on a podcast for the new club. They have their own podcast. Um, it's a it's a courseless golf club based out of Chicago. Look it up. New club. Oh, yeah. They're on. They're on, They got a website. They're on social media. All of that. Um, well, they have their own podcast, and he had so many stories that they they kind of busted it up into two separate episodes. They talked about Lookout Mountain, which was this Rainer. Mm-hmm. Which kind of that place has a kind of unique and weird history, and then he but he just has stories for days about golf that he's seen and played and built and um, so he's uh, he and I have since become social media buddies. He said, "Yes, we we welcome pilgrims. We're glad to have you in town." <laughs> you know, people making the pilgrimage to Sweeten's Cove. Um, so yeah, that was that's how that went down. So just one of those. But for the kindness of strangers, you know, we have a, yeah. a very different experience. So yeah, exactly. Figuring out That's ways a good to pay story, the, though. Figuring out ways to pay it forward because I don't think I can yeah. pay those guys back. Yeah. Um. So with that, we'll talk about Black Creek a little bit. Finally, the you know it's a the best way. I think the way it's described on its website, and I, I read a little bit about it. It's kind of an homage to Golden Age design. Like it's not mm-hmm. a. It's not a collection of the best holes, like a, a Bears Best 
you know, there's a couple of those, one in Atlanta, I think one out in Vegas that, you know, oh, the best holes that Jack Nicholas ever did. It's not that. It's because it's not all Rainer or McDonald or uh, Banks, but kind of the best of that, that golden age era. Um, so I'll put this to you. Going into that, what had been – what was your experience with templates before that? Um, I, I guess the the best way to say that is um, the template holes I played, I, I think, were the originals. You know, I mean, that that's kind of the extent of them. You know, we played North Barrick. Obviously, we played the North Course. Um you know, or the old course. I'm sorry, not the North Course. Um, but um, that was kind of the extent. I've played some, uh, you know, here and there playing with you. I think more than anything else, there's been some, you know, Redan holes, you know, that we played uh, at John Mark's uh, club. Right. Right. The, they have one there. Um, you know, but that's that's about the extent. And and again, to be honest, um, I don't know. Ten years ago, um, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I, I wouldn't know if I played a Redan hole, a, a Barrett's hole, or an Eden hole, or anything else. I wouldn't have known. I'm the exact same way. You know, the the reason I got interested, I think, in golf course architecture was I kind of danced around the periphery of it with some of the things I would read, or uh, you know, the, the original Friday podcast, some of those early episodes, mm-hmm. and even the actually prepping for Scotland going back and listening to the Scottish golf podcast. And I'd hear these guys talk about holes with names, you know, not numbered mm-hmm. holes, but the, the, you know, the original Redan at North Berwick, the, the road hole at St. Andrews. It's like, well, it's got very little to do with the road actually. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know, but I had all, all these different template names and I had no concept of what they meant. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of, and me just being kind of a know-it-all wanting to know it all. And two thinking, Okay, well, if I learn about these things, if these are the holes that are the models for a lot of other holes, maybe if I get to understand them a little bit, it'll help me somewhere. It'll save me a stroke or two somewhere down the the road. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I'm like you. In the moment, it's hard for me to see maybe the strategy of a hole or a a template. Um, You know, when I do, I get kind of excited, like, oh, okay. Now, executing and putting the ball where I want it, a whole other thing. Like knowing where not to hit it is great if you can actually not hit it there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, if I'm not supposed to hit it left, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that idea. Yeah, yeah. But, you, you've got yeah, that one. That's fine. Yeah, that's great. Um, so it sounds like you and I kind of came in with with pretty fresh eyes. Um, now playing a lot of Pete Dye golf, I've I've started looking for little elements of it because he's a big links golf. He wanted you know early in his career he brought a lot of this stuff over the. He borrowed the pot bunkers from Scotland, things he saw over there. And he would famously send his associates, his younger staff members, like, go over there. Go spend a month here. Go see here, 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 you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a course that was primarily templates, And I can see why. That front nine is on just a really boring, flat, valley-bottom piece of ground. And kind of my understanding of template holes when – when the land doesn't give you much naturally, they can be kind of a set of of safe harbors that you can run back to. Like, okay, I can if I can if I've got to bend it a certain way or if, if I got freedom just to build whatever green I want, then you can kind of yeah. do it like that. Yeah. Um, what did you think getting out there? 
and it's a tale of two nines out there because the front weaves through a a housing development that was I guess kind of started before uh, this course was built. This Brian Silva course was designed, and the back is pretty well devoid of housing other than give something at a little more of a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so you're yep. just back there. It feels more like a core course. What did you take away? What do you remember? You know, if you close your eyes and think about that course, the look and the feel of a Black Creek. Um, well, I, I will if I if I can take it one step back sure. from from where your question is. So when we're talking about like getting uh, some experience and some knowledge of what these were, um, I'm going to I'm going to regret this, but I cannot remember the gentleman's name that has the podcast that you kind of turned me on to about um, golf history. Connor Lewis. Um, Connor. Connor Lewis. Talking Golf History, uh, a fellow member of the Talking Golf Network of shows. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan. I I mean, I, I got hooked on that, and I love me some history as much as the next guy, right? If he could – if Connor could somehow work in some um, some Indian mounds into, like, you know, some of these things, I would I, – I mean, I would probably just, like, die a happy man right there. I'll send him some granola, and, see what we can get working. I mean, and if he needs any, any information, I have – plenty for him to start with okay i'm just saying but anyway so i kind of got started you know listening to that and i stumbled onto i feel as though that mr lewis is uh, a big fan of um you know cb mcdonald and uh seth rayner i mean he he kind of talks about them heavy and hard and talking about these template holes right now now i'll say i'm gonna expose a little bit of my uh naivete here but you know i'm thinking oh well these holes are going to be identical right you know somewhere in my mind when someone says oh it's a template hole i'm thinking well it's like a carbon copy right i've already played this hole you know and Mm -hmm. so i went into this um um not on the same page as what we were going to see right so what is it like the second hole i think it's the, it's the, the second hole. hole we play it says the road hole right yeah. <laughs> well that is as far from the uh image of the road hole that i could possibly have in my head um it doesn't i don't even believe it goes the same direction you know it's a, this one's a little dog leg left i think the road hole is a little dog leg right is that correct yes but the green yeah. is situated the same angle yep yeah, you've, you've got the the death bunker on the left front left. Yeah, that little that little one. Yeah, yep. you've got a but it, you've got a bunk you got a coffin bunker behind it. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a road in the cart path and a hazard. <laughs> the cart path, yeah, and a hazard. But or penalty in area. my in my brain, you know, I'm I'm thinking, hey, this is you know, there's it, it's going to look exactly the same way. So when I got there, yeah, that first round, I'm like, man. I was like, this isn't the road hole. What is going on? And I'm like looking at the card and I'm like, what's this now? I'm never a short. I don't even know what this, this is a part three. You know, I'm just like, what's going on? So it took the second time around for me to, um, to, uh, kind of embrace the idea that, Hey, this is this, these template holes, you know, these are the best holes that these guys, you know, found over there. This is what these, they're bringing these not the whole to you they're bringing the strategy and and the the feel of the whole to you exactly that's the key yeah. they're bringing yeah. that they are holes that have a tried and true strategy yeah and you they they 
get interpreted differently. Size, mm-hmm. scale, angles, elevation, you know, all of those variables, uh, you know, size of bunkers and penalty areas and, and all of that, um, yeah, are all left for interpretation. But it's the strategy that that works. And and that that was the part that that you know in my in my brain I didn't in my head I didn't I didn't carry over right I I got there and I was expecting you know I wasn't expecting the, the giant hotel you know sitting on the left I wasn't expecting that but you know I was still expecting to hit it out over you know over some scrub and um in that way and and some of the holes on the, you know like I saw. What what is it? Um, the Redan and the rever- the reverse Redan on the back nine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the hole that we played, you know, at North Barrick. What the what's going on, right? And like I said, but it did take me to like the second. I would say halfway through the back nine, I think on the first day, it kind of said it. It kind of I finally you know accepted the fact that I may be wrong in my first thought and I started to accept it and started to see it for what it was. Battle of expectations. That yeah. That that's what you fell into. Um and no and this is this is not eighteen tribute holes to the originals. Um there are three different Redan concepts included at Black Creek. You've mm-hmm. got the reverse Redan, which is probably the most true to form. It's a long that was number seven, right after the punch bowl. Long par three. It happens to go yep. left to right instead of right to left. Yep. But it plays because you've got such a long shot in there. I think I hit five wood on the second day uh, because of the wind. And we moved back. You know, Just trying to get it up to the front and let it run down to the hole. Mm-hmm. I didn't pull it off, but that's basically the same. And avoid the bunker on the the low side of the green. You know, just mm-hmm. like because I was in that bunker in Scotland, and the one in Chattanooga looked a whole lot more friendly. Uh, it did. Yeah. So, but the, you know that I could see that strategy pretty easily, and you know, number eight at Kearney Hill is kind of like that, except that it goes up. It, it's a very similar. Um, I always call that an upside down reverse Redan uh, here in in Lexington. But uh, then you had ten, which was a which mixed two concepts. It was that 10, which is probably the most photographed hole on the course, uh, just because it's fun to look at and it's such big, bold contours. But it's a, a they call it double cross with a Redan green because it's, yeah. you know, if you if you hit the ball like Andrew where you can fly it close to 300 yards, okay, it doesn't really matter what the whole strategy is because you just, you pick the spot that's 300 yards away and you hit your ball there. That, okay, must be nice. You know, for <laughs> us, it's, you know, aim out to the the left and cut it if you can on the first shot, and then hit a little baby draw on your second shot into that green, depending on where the flag is. So, uh, Pete Dye uses those a lot. The the it one shot first, and then move the ball the other way on the same hole, and then it had a Redan green that high in the front, running away from you with a a death bunker on the left. That thing was yeah was yeah ten twelve feet deep. It seemed like. And then the par three right after that, which had a had the look of a Redan, except that you were what sixty feet, eighty feet above the above the green, so you've got a the ball is not going to run when you've got that angle of descent um, uh, for even a mid iron. Yeah, and it didn't even really slope like you know 
the the green didn't have that feel to where you could run it back there, even if you even if it was an option, right from that, that elevation. You'd have to have a pretty strong wind into you hitting a much longer club trying to get it to run because it did have a big mound up to the front right that you could mm-hmm. you could play a kicker slope. But you're right, all none of the three of them felt anything like the Redan hole in North Berwick. But the strategy was was kind or the look was was kind of there. Um, you know, I my thoughts afterwards, I I laughed a lot, kind of at. at where that course put me and what some of the questions, those templates I asked, I learned a lot. You know, I don't know that I had, um, you know, I was smitten with the fifth hole maiden. You know, I thought that was a really good short par four. It's the one you cross the road after the first oh, par five, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. the little hole yeah. right in between the par fives. Mm-hmm. You got a, you know, big bunker on the right out of bounds left. And then a hazard in front of the green that had those three big tiers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big sections, and I just thought that was a that green, you know, with the, it was pushed way up in the air. So if you missed, you now we got lucky. We we're playing during mud ball season, so if we missed, it didn't run <laughs> back into the hazard or uh, down towards the cart path. But um, yeah, I just thought that was done really well. But it was little little stuff like that that I I feel like I learned. I was better prepared, obviously, the second time through there, but. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things, I don't know if you noticed this, I think I mentioned it maybe at dinner the second night. Um, I like that it w- was made to look in the style of an older course. Like, for, you know, you could see like um, 14, a big par 5 on the back. You know, you had that green, that you, it was the blind shot par 5. And you've got the green kind of pushed up a little bit and there's a big low area to the left. And it's obvious that or made to look like okay, they just they had to push the dirt from that low area to build up the green, you mm-hmm. know, which is, is the old style. That's the way Rayner and Banks and McDonald and those guys; those were the construction methods mm-hmm. in that golden age. So, you know, these guys with all the modern technology in the world available to them were able to construct some some interesting features that way. I thought because those little low collection areas those those had a good strategic purpose to them. You know, yeah. it was tough to to chip up from those, but it, it it was better than being, you know, five feet or in some tall rough. You yeah. Know, yep. it, it made it, I thought, made the course much more playable. Um, 10 had some of that. 10 had a ramp that if you had, if you had a push cart that got away from you, it might, instead of ending up at the end of the cart path, it might end up on the green because they're, you know, they had borrowed, you could see where they had borrowed earth to kind of, carve out mm-hmm. that Redan complex and those bunkers, and it was just really, really cool to see from behind the green. I don't know if you saw yeah. any features like that or noticed or, or if anything caught your eye. Um, yeah, you know, I think a lot of times, like if you were to ask me, you know, what what courses do you like to play, right? I, I think I would fall into that category of, you know, I like the, I guess you would call it the, the minimalist approach, right? I would like to see a whole found rather than a whole made. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. So, um, so, and we've, we've been fortunate enough to play a lot of those types of courses here lately. You know, I, I feel, I get that feeling a lot down in, in Pinehurst, you know, those, it feels like, you know, with those little native areas and the, the scraped sand and it, it, it gives you that feeling that, oh, you know, we just, we just, 
you know, threw down some grass and, right. you know, that's, it was here. Right. And I'm sure that's, <laughs> excuse me, that's not the case, but, um, in, in some courses, you know, they probably hide it very well. Right. You know, they, they do a lot of work to make it look like they didn't do work. Yeah, the um, exactly. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Um, ex- yeah, I wish I would have thought of that. Um, down there, that course, uh, to your point, you know, that golden age and especially, you know, the McDonald and Rainer stuff, they, he was an engineer. I believe in, uh, Rainer was an engineer yes. by trade. So they manufactured it and you get that feeling. Like if you're standing back, I think it's on 16, you look down there and that really long, rectangle green right and the really long rectangle bunker that's right beside it you're like yeah they didn't find that man that's somebody <laughs> somebody used a shovel to make that, those corners right yeah, that, that dirt used to be right over there <laughs> <laughs> exactly i can see where it you're went right <laughs> um so that was that was interesting to see right i mean there's no hiding that you know you look down there you're like okay yeah i mean this is a made hole um and and you can't have just one type, right? I mean, to have that variety and, you know, that, as everyone calls it, the golden age. And, you know, now we're kind of coming into, you know, people are comparing some of the courses made today that are matching some of the, the older courses. Um, you need that variety, you know, and and I like courses, you know, that I'm sure that other people would say, man, that's as, you know, as far from, you know, a minimalist or a natural look as you can get. Right. I think that that variety is important. But when when you go down there, that is something that jumps right off at you and like, yeah, you know, this was, uh, you know, this wasn't found. Right. You know, we made this hole. I think, you know, there are some some really strong hole designs on the front. I think everyone would probably agree that the back is a a better golf course like the features back there. You've got elevation change. You've got that little creek. Um, you've got some water pockets, um, just big movement up and down um, through the hills, and then you come back down to the creeks and the lake, and you end up. Well, that's a that's a fun walk, and the course uses every bit of that elevation change that it can get because there's none of it on the front. No, yeah, that, that you're absolutely right. Isn't manufactured to yeah. to your point. So, um, you know, it's an it, an interesting contrast. I, the little bit I. I researched ahead of time. People said, oh, the back is so much better. All oh, the back is so much better because uh, there's no housing. You know, they're, they're worried about the look, the aesthetic. And, you know, the house is, for my money, the houses weren't a, a intrusive. You know, no. the, the the design of the whole, I was, the course was engaging enough that I never really noticed or worried about that. Uh, you know, of the aesthetic that I was in the neighborhood, and it was so cold, nobody was in their backyard. So it's not <laughs> like it didn't feel like being in a neighborhood. We, I think, we teed off in like 36 and sunny. So, um, yeah, that was that was fun. You know, to the bunkers, I will add this. One of the things I really liked is that that steam shovel, Rainer Banks style, even Ross to a little extent, they're flat. To flatten mm-hmm. the bottom with these had grass faces, which was great because mm-hmm. you weren't gonna. It was sticky enough that time of the year that most times you you know it would get you could get hung up above a bunker if you were, you could get lucky. 
there was some yeah. rub of the green involved. But yeah. you know, as far as playing surfaces, a nice flat lie in the bunker is so preferable to every other lie in a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's true. Now, I don't want to jump ahead and spoil a question you might ask here later, but um, I'm good about jumping ahead on you. But you mentioned the bunkers, and um, I will tell you that the bunkering, um, fairway bunkering more than probably the green side, but the green side was also really well, really well done. But the the, the play on the strategy. And the play on the fairway bunkering was probably from 18 holes was the best that I've ever played. That was probably the most demanding, you know, strategy off of the tee that I have probably seen in in, in all of my days of golf across the whole course. Was it – and here – how different was it in your right? And I think – we played up the first day because it was mm-hmm. it was colder. We hadn't seen the place. We didn't want to slow anything down. And here's a really cool thing. When the course is empty and the owner is there and has signed off on your presence, you're being an interloper, they let us go out as a walking fivesome. Right. That was an, a top five golf experience for me right off the bat. I mean just to yeah. be able and to go out and hang out with all of you guys – Kind of mm-hmm. as the happy wanderers around that course was uh, – I'm so grateful for that experience. Yeah. Um, so that was – so, again, anybody at Black Creek, if you're listening to this, uh, thanks for that opportunity. But, yes, Absolutely. to your point, when we played it up, you know, for us that – for you and I that don't necessarily drive the ball the furthest, yes, those bunkers were just in beautiful places to mess with us. Just to mm-hmm. interrupt our games, things uh, that we couldn't disregard. They weren't there. Just there were some eye candy things. Like if you, I've got a, I've got my yardage book open here right now, and there were some times that okay, I can't reach that. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that bunker. But more often than not, it, there was a decision to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I found myself in a situation where the first day I was like, oh, okay. I can carry that first bunker, and I can't reach the second set yeah, of bunkers, that's right? A good, so that's I, a good feeling. <laughs> I had an island, right? I had my own little little island in between the sand, and then the next day when we went back and the wind was up, I'm like, hmm, now I, instead of my little island I have between, now my fairway's cut in half because I can, I'm going to land it right where that bunker is now, so I can only hit the left side or the right side of the fairway. Because that first bunker is now in play. And that was part of the brilliance of it was that you had an option. Like that yeah. bunker that you had to carry and not – and the one behind it that you had to be short of, uh, you know, number eight th- is the perfect example of that, the thumbprint, the one with the little mm-hmm. thumbprint green. Yeah, yeah. Because you had the option, you could challenge that thing over to the left, just completely take those two big right bunkers out of play, take the creek out of play. Now, you, it was a harder carry. I accidentally mm-hmm. ended up over there, but you, I felt like, yes, there were cross bunkers. There were things that you'd say were near the middle of the fairway, but you, it was always a choice. It wasn't, it was not target golf. Like, Hey, you have to hit it here and you have to hit it here. And I, I commend them for, I thought that was some of the brilliance of the design is that, yeah, what you're talking about, those things in the fairway that made you think off the tee, 
they made you think. They didn't necessarily take driver out of the hand. It just may have made you do something you weren't comfortable with, and I, and that's fine. I, I think a lot of golf architecture um, – Pete Dye was most notorious for wanting to get golfers thinking. He said, once I get them thinking, they're mine. I own them. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I agree. The the bunkers, strategically, the bunkering was great. And, again, it was all kind of manufactured because, especially on that front nine, because it was just, you know, a flat valley bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. No, I'm glad you you mentioned that because I was going to move on next to kind of some of the – the individual holes of note. Now I'll go ahead and get it out of the way up front. Number six, <laughs> number six at Black Creek Club is a. It's called the Punch Bowl. It is a blind punch bowl green. There's a bullseye target attached to either a tree or a utility pole on a hillside way way far uh, past the course. That's your target. That's the the proverbial the the white topped building at St. Andrews that your caddy tells you to hit. It's the the stovepipe at Tobacco Road that you, you're supposed to aim at. So there's this literal target. Like, okay, hit it here. Um, so I'll, I'll circle back to that one because I know you have strong feelings on that one. Um, you mentioned the road hole. Like, I thought that was cool. It, like, I, it said they list the on the scorecard, if you ever get a chance to, to visit Black Creek, on the back of the scorecard, they list what the uh, what templates the holes represent, which is a really cool feature. It helps you kind of process through. And once I saw that that big kind of hump in the front and the, the round bunker, I was like, okay, yep, road hole. I, I recognize that. Um, you know, the Redan and the, the thumbprint kind of speak for itself. I'll have to do some more research. Number nine may be a template that they, that they invented there. Although with the creek right in front of the green, it's just called Black Creek. Um, what that reminded, good. yeah, good, good name. hole, good, good hole. hole reminded me of the 18 at Leaven, where the play might be to play with your second shot instead of attack the flag, lay out to the right and chip over and try to make your putt to save par. Yeah, perfect. Had, yeah, yeah, I had that vibe. Uh, that's also where I had a ball suspended in a tree root. Which, if you get the chance to find to hit that shot, I highly recommend it. Don't hit it too hard, because when it's sitting cradled gently in some very small fibrous roots, exposed because the creek is three feet right below it, go ahead and hit that shot. Don't don't take your drop. You know, you couldn't. I couldn't have placed a ball in there. I don't know how in the world. Um, so yes, that was that was fun. But I thought that was a, a good strong hole. Um, and I love the beer Ritz, 17. It had, um, it had one of the bigger beer Ritz greens with a deep valley. It reminded me of North Berwick. I've played some others, um, but that one, you know, there's one at the Loop, there's one at, at Keen Run, um, but I thought that was great because it it gave us some choices, gave us some options. Could try to slam one in there, could try to fly it all the way back. Um, could leave it short and, and try to do the putt. So those were those are the ones I walk away from and thinking uh, about. Like those are the shots I relive. Were there some other? Were there any templates or holes that really surprised you in a positive way at Black Creek? Uh, uh, yeah, I think um, I think my favorite hole for sure there was number fifteen. 
was uh, the cape. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought that one was great because, you know, in our group alone on the first day, we had all sorts of, you know, fiascos. Right. We had a couple of guys that kind of blew them right into the into the tall stuff. Uh, we had Andrew get up there with the three wood and drive it into the green side bunker. Yeah. And I believe that he ended up taking six or five. He yeah, he bunkered into the penalty area, had to take a drop. Right. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely I thought that hole was great. So um, just a real quick, you know, for everybody listening here, it was like a little dog leg left. And there was there was penalty area that was marked all the way down the left side of the fairway. So you almost had to carry over the more you wanted to bite off and maybe hit a little fade. You bite off more and more of that penalty area comes over into the fairway and you have to hit back toward the penalty area to get um toward the green but it it was it was great you know i mean i had i believe a pitching wedge in um i I hit a decent drive and the green is just sitting right there but you cannot go left and you really didn't want to go right either with the bunker um andrew was in the in the bunker hit a great bunker shot caught the downhill part of the green took all the spin off of it went right over the green into the bunker yeah right that's what the cable is it 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 the green falls away into yeah. the water. I love that. You could play that hole five times from the tee and hit five different clubs off the tee. Yeah. And probably a good player could probably make five different five pars for different mm-hmm. directions. Love that hole. Thought that was great. And I believe you mentioned the other one that I really liked was um, I think it was called the oh it was the thumbprint. On the front nine. Yeah. Really like that short little par four. You know, it wasn't nearly as short as the Cape. I mean, we, I don't think anybody was relatively close, you know, to getting there, but there was some bunkering there too. That, that the first day I was in the island of all the bunkers and the second day I had to play short of the bunker, had irons into them all, but, you know, um, when we played the, the pin was in the front kind of yeah. up on a little bit of the edge. The yeah. thumbprint was right in the front center of the green, so it basically divided the green into two tiers with a shallow channel in between. Right. And right. the flag was in the channel for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was I mean, that was that was a fun little hole, you know. Saw some guys hit good shots in there. They were on the wrong side of that thumbprint. And mm-hmm. that's a totally different putt, you know. Uh I was short both days and had nice little easy easy chips you know right uphill right to the right to the cup so um but again i think that that plays back to what we said earlier about these holes and the strategy of the holes right i mean i've said it before you know talking to you i'm i'm not one of those guys that likes to watch you know people bomb it you know 320 off the tee and no matter where they're at they're hitting a a sand wedge you know and checking it five feet from the hole i mean Great. If I could do it, I would probably love it. You know, if I could do that part of the game, I would love it. But, you know, there's a reason why I like to watch, you know, even par at the U.S. Open, too. I like to see those guys, you know, have to make some up and downs to save par. I mean, I think that's golf. I love it. Um, But there was a lot of that. There was a lot of ways to play golf there at Black Creek. Yeah, you could use the ground game. You could use the aerial game. Mm-hmm. And it was all very fun for us with you 
you found one hole that you didn't like, and there's all you've always got to have one. Now I will say the, uh, I think I published some pictures on Instagram, uh, on the the podcast Instagram, and Derek Duncan of Golf Digest reached out and he said they did a um, 18 best holes since 2000, like eight, 18 best modern holes, and it was you know one is the first hole first hole at whatever course in. And their number six hole was the sixth at Black Creek. Yeah, big par five. Uh, you've got a, a creek on the right, so a, a little bit of trouble. It was up because of all the water. You know, in the summer, that may be all dry. But we mm-hmm. just had snow, ice, polar vortex, Armageddon. Uh, so it, it had a little bit of water moving in it. The you know there were There was a bunker left side of the fairway from the tee that you had to think about. Um, and then there was this just giant mass of earth at the end of the fairway that was, what, 60, 80 yards? I want to feel like it's 60 yards from the – at least to the middle of the green. Um, now this is the one that's blind. You cannot see the green. It's just this huge lump with some bunkers at the bottom of it um, at the end of the fairway, and behind it – is a big green it's like a bowl it's like a a shallow literally like christmas party there's the the christmas punch bowl it's got a big backstop um it does bleed it's, it's the bowl is broken because it you could escape to the right like you could move down to the creek a little bit um it is one that is designed to the green is designed to accept a shot from distance because if you're coming in hot with a a three wood or a hybrid or a long iron even um you're going to scamper down that hill and then you've got that backstop to just be like a backboard roll the ball up and and in theory be able to bring it back down uh to the bottom of the bowl and put to wherever the flag is um that's how it's designed to be played i didn't play it that way either day i tried failed miserably um you you had uh you got to see some guys play it well um, but with with a 240 yard approach not being your real cup of tea, what have you mellowed in retrospect? Has time softened that that wound a little bit, Fred, or are you still not a fan? Just let your hair uh, see out. Yeah, I'm 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 too old to change my mind on things anymore. I feel. I mean, I just might as well stick with my gun. Um, I was not a fan. Um. And again, I thought that you know, as we as we talked about it, if if I hadn't have flared one out a little bit on the first day um, and been a little closer, maybe hit a better. We were playing up that day. If I'd have hit a better tee ball and bring that, you know, bring that shot over the hill and and down into the punch bowl, kind of a little closer to what I felt comfortable with. I may it may have changed my opinion, but I still don't think that I like the idea of the way that hole sets up as a par five. If it was a long par four, I think I would like it better. Um, Cause I don't see how it, it, it gave it. Um, it gave me the ability to really uh, capitalize or kind of get a little closer to like a, a bigger hitter. Right. I feel like that hole was like, hey, you know, that we're going to give everybody a great opportunity here to 
to get a stroke back, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea of the punch bowl, right? Everything's going to feed to the hole, right? Um, I didn't feel like it gave me that that opportunity as much as some of the other guys in the group thought it did. Uh, um, I know some of them loved it. I think everybody liked it except me. Uh, even Andrew, even Andrew that could, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't try to fly over the the mound in front of the, the green off the tee. But, um, I mean, he locked it. He thought it was fun. You know, I, I did not see where, you know, it was, and it, it gave me any advantage if I'm 210, 20 yards off, you know, in the fairway, how trying to hit a three wood up over a big hill, um, have it roll down, may roll down, may not roll down. Um, was any gave me, you know, brought me any closer than Andrew hitting. Well, what, what did he hit the first day? Like a hybrid off the tee and uh, five iron or something like that. Um, I don't, I don't see how that brought brought you know the chance of birdie any closer to me than it did to Andrew. Um, Part of it, I think part of it was the time of year because we were playing in mud season because I came up, I tried to land on the ramp down to the green both days. And both days it hung up in the um, the Bermuda grass, the dormant, the dormant muddy Bermuda um, above the green. So I just had a simple chip down, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the yardage book and it's, you know, there was 50 feet of approach behind that mound. So if you're 230 out in the fairway, you really only had to hit it 180 yards in theory to maybe catch the down downward slope and let it bound down towards the green. Um, so, you know, fast, dry, faster, drier conditions, uh, maybe that would color your opinion a, a little differently. I like the whole – I thought the – you know, it reminded me a little bit of 17 at North Berwick. You know that um, where you've got that big uphill approach, yeah, yeah. kind of blind, and that uh, with a big green to receive a shot from distance mm-hmm. coming in, especially because you might be fighting the wind much more more so there. Um, so maybe that, uh, that was just a pleasant memory for me because I, I could see that in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's probably the signature hole there. I think that's the one people get talked about because it's a blind shot and you don't see a lot of modern golf courses. Um, you know, we played two of the best with Tobacco Road and um, now Black Creek with having, you know, some kind of hidden um, – if you count the punch bowl and number – what is it? I guess 14. They've got two really good blind par fives um, from where – because you've got that big hump. Uh, it was the one before the Cape Hole. Oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's the one that I tried. I laid well left, and my ball just rolled. It tried to find a bunker. It it was like watching some of those old uh, open championship films where the, the ball's bounding around the ground, and you see a bunker off in the distance, and you know that it's eventually going to swirl right towards it. Um, I, uh, how it missed – yeah, I hit one high on a hill, and I thought it had come to rest, and everyone thought it had come to rest, and then – think you pointed out nope that's still moving dave that's still moving dave it's still going um yeah that was a, a wake-up call probably came back 30 yards and at least 30 yards down off that hill um, uh it was in the it was in the rough even yeah like, uh, right. it was like probably five yards maybe three yards into the rough 
I just wanted to be known. I was I was trying to draw attention, you know, so you knew what was going on. It was John Mark that was cheering for your ball to go in the box. Yes, as yeah. as he is wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about, it, I don't know that I've played someplace with kind of two blind par fives like that. So um, I thought that was cool. That was just an, an interesting feature. I had no problem with six. I played it poorly, but I tried not to let that color my opinion of it. Normal conditions, I think, from either tee box, it would be fun to, you know, from playing up from the the white tee box, uh, the just poor execution. That would have been a fun shot. Um, and you know, you had the vantage point of being up by the green. You were being a looky loo up there, and you got to see guys' balls kind of come. Charlie's shot come in and kind of feed. Um, yeah, which absolutely. Yeah, it was beautiful. Hit it left of the green. Took two hops. You know, almost stopped in the in the rough, barely trickled out, and I thought it was going to stop two or three times before it got to the green, and then it got to the green and and just meandered its way closer and closer and closer, which was great, you know, um, and 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 I think ideally that's how that hole needs to be played, you know. I mean, so I had to lay up both days. The first day I laid up and I had an eight iron in, right? Hit a really good shot, middle of the green. It stuck and it just checked up. It didn't go anywhere. So the punch bowl really doesn't come into effect there, right? If you lay up, it's just a blind shot. Yeah. Because I don't it think wants that a you're – Right. So when Charlie – I think Charlie told me how far he was out. It was like 200 and – Maybe about was it 30? Yeah, 220 or 230. 220. He was back there with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he had a beautiful three wood. And I think that's what that hole takes, right? I mean, he didn't, he didn't land it short like you did. He landed it pretty close to, um, I don't, I don't want to call it hole high, but it was deeper. Yeah. You know, it was a deeper shot, came off of the hill and then just rolled all the way down. You know, to give folks perspective that, that haven't seen it, it is a, giant square green that is i think it if i'm reading the book right it's 44 yards wide so it's a big big chunk and we saw from the tee on the next hole uh this was a a fun little uh we didn't get to see a lot of other golfers that that first day because it was so cold but we did see some guy chip in and he hit the ball I don't know. He looked at it for a second or two while it was on the ground. It was on a good line, and he just started walking after it. <laughs> and he couldn't have been. It it just meandered and slowly just kept rolling and kept rolling, and he just kept walking and kept walking nonchalantly. And he was what? He was 20 feet away, 15 feet away from when it just it like literally was walking it in from I don't know 30 yards away. It was wonderful to see, and we all cheered. And luckily they were they they heard us and weren't offended. Um, that was uh, that was cool to see. That's how you play it, Fred. You lay yeah. you lay up to the side and you just chip one in from from ninety feet away. Oh yeah, I mean he looked like an older version of Kevin Na, you know, chasing <laughs> that thing in. I mean he he was walking for like a minute. <laughs> that's that's mean, how far it was. <laughs> I was like, that's getting closer. It's getting closer. Yeah, that was that was that was fun. That was fun. We let those guys play through on the next hole, and we were. He was really giving his buddies a you know an earful about how he chipped that in too. Yes, he was, was good. Uh, good times. Any other closing thoughts on Black Creek? You know, um, the, the holes that I've kind of talked about, 
you know, I, I really, really enjoyed them. The back nine was was a treat. There were some tough holes back there, but it was a treat. Um, you know, number number let's see, ten, eleven, number twelve. Oh, uh, I don't know. What, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that man, that's rough. That, that <laughs> thing that, that was. Rough. <laughs> It was a punch in the face both days. I mean, the second day with the wind was just, oh, brutal. Um, but it was, I mean, it was a good golf hole. Yes. You know, it, it was a good golf hole. It gave you lots of opportunities. Um, you know, it, it, it gave you, <laughs> it gave you ample places to lay up on a par four to try to make par. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> they were very friendly, right? Um, but it, that, that hole was fun. The back nine, I, I, I really enjoyed, you know, I thought that was, that was fun. Um, I think it's un, a little bit unfair. People kind of getting on the housing part of the front nine, the houses are there. I would say only maybe two, two holes, three holes, maybe at the most that any of them really come into, into play with a poor, poor shot. Yeah. So, I think it's more like as you mentioned, it was just more visual than anything else. Um, I would like to say, uh, you know, second your earlier comment that the the folks at the course were just, I mean, they were a treat themselves. Yeah. Uh, Chad, remember Chad? Oh yeah. Um, Chad was awesome. Working. He was hustling. He was man, that guy. Who was the hardest working guy in Chattanooga that day? Let me tell you, both days. He was awesome. Uh, the guys in the in the pro shop that they were all super nice. The pimento um, cheese was incredible. Pimento oh cheese appetizer. Gosh, yes. Um, even the folks that we met that were there playing, you know, the some of the members. I'm assuming they were a treat. You know, everybody was super accommodating. Yeah. Um, nobody gave to, us look, nobody gave us looks. No. Absolutely not. Um, and you know how welcoming the the owner was 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 fantastic. Um, you know we we caught him at the at the clubhouse area after after the first nine we played and and we weren't there very long but we got like four stories right golf stories from him in that in that very short amount of time. Um, he was a he was a pleasure every time we saw him. Yes. I must have seen him two or three other times. He he knew who we were. He remembered us. He asked us how we played. He didn't ask how we played. He asked if we enjoyed it um, and asked if um, if we were coming back again the next day. Uh, that was the first day we saw him. Um, and then the second day I saw him, he told me, you know, to be safe on my travels back up north. So um, yeah, you, truly, do kind of, you do kind of stand out. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, um, he is a true, true gentleman. Um, he was a he was a pleasure. He was. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's that's got to be the culture there to go out and have fun. I mean, it, to play that thing from the way backs, that'd be a brutally difficult golf course. Um, so and they may have some players. Chattanooga's big town and it, they can play golf year round. But um yeah, that was a place to have fun. We had fun. Uh, the scores, it's February golf. The scores go kind of out the window. Um, I will, had you ever been to Chattanooga before? I had not. You know, when I, my memories of, we had spent, growing up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, had been through Chattanooga several times on trips. Um, I know I had seen Rock City as a kid, uh, tour, lovely tourist trap that it is. 
But my memories were basically it was Birmingham North. It was very industrial. The 80s, I think, were a little rough on it as steel was heading down um, as those industries. Seeing it with fresh eyes and seeing – now it felt it looked like Asheville West because it had been so heavily redeveloped. You know, It's got a, a river running right through uh, the heart of the city and – you know, in the old, you could see the old warehouse, and now the rail yard is still the old rail yard for the Chattanooga Choo Choo. But you know, downtown, <laughs> downtown was vibrant. You know, there was there were restaurants, there was housing, looked like kind of dense housing. You know, condos, flats, apartments, those sorts of things, kind of built afterwards and and retrofit in there. Um, it was just really cool to kind of drive around. I drove up to Lookout Mountain, the the, the course, and drove around it um, just for fun, just to kind of look and see the the Rainer course, and that looked. We dodged a bullet by not being able to play there. That place looked impossible. Just really, just up and down with little oh. Rainer greens, and it, it would be it would be a treat to play, but it did not look easy at all. But the mm. view the views would be tough to beat from high atop. Oh. Um, high top above Chattanooga. So uh, I'm glad we did the trip. It was needed. It was fun. I think everybody had a good time. Everybody stayed safe. Um, any other closing thoughts on on that, Fred? No, man. It was it was a great time. Uh, I really enjoyed. Um, I kind of uh, missed Charlie, you know, that second night that we were at the cabin. Well, for me, it was the third night for you guys um, when we all kind of came back and sat around the, the table and kind of chatted it up. Um, that was a good time at the cabin. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that, you know, talk about, you know, some new faces and stuff. And we had some pretty good conversations, you know, at the table. Andrew brought up some good questions, and um, I he, hope he that made me Andrew think. was – yeah. I hope he's feeling better. I was really getting on him and telling him that he was, you know, he was headed downhill, you know, turning, <laughs> getting close to 40, getting, making getting noises old. and stuff. Uh-huh. So um, I, I hope he's feeling well. I mean, I don't I hope I didn't put any bad thoughts in his head. Um, but that was that was truly fun. I, I really enjoyed that a little bit. I was super tired. Um the first day took a lot out of me with the drive and stuff, and, and we walked the first day. I was a little upset that the, the guy in the clubhouse kind of un- misunderstood me and, and gave me a cart the second day. But it was about the second or third hole. I was like, man, that was very, very uh, fortuitous. <laughs> I was like, I feel so much better sitting in this cart as uh, I would have been. I would have been beat up pretty bad. Um, you know, you but, mentioned uh, those, those I, conversations, the – my wife asked when I got back, so what would you guys do uh, after? I said, honey, we just nerded out on golf. That's all we did. <laughs> we was, did. You know, it, it's one of those where there's a selfishly, I just want to go set up mics at that dinner table or in the cabin afterwards. But, you know, that's forced and it just wouldn't, wouldn't – that's not why we were there. It was just more fun to to go back and forth and to, to chat it up and, and relive and – and think and question and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, that's the that's the really good stuff on a golf trip. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. Um, that was a good time. Uh, I don't know where in the world you found that cabin. I'm just glad my car didn't explode driving up that mountaintop. Um, but <laughs> it's so more folks need to understand. 
It was so steep. The drive up to Paradise Point, it's in Bryant, Alabama, like Bear Bryant, Alabama. <laughs> and it's got a great view of the river. And But it is the, – some the concrete driveway is so steep that the oil in your oil pan, <laughs> like the level – is like tilting the cup too far, and it was wanting to spill. The oil in your oil pan was running up against the hot part of your engine block, and that you just started smoking. Like I've never used, I don't think, transmission braking seriously. Like I've done it kind of as a joke, or if I've got too much weight or something when I had a pickup truck. But yeah, to actually use engine braking going down and save my brakes from catching on fire was was critical. But the view was something. Oh, Dave, I just I would just like to make one correction, if you don't mind. You, you said that the view of the river was spectacular. Dave, the view of the curvature of the earth was spectacular <laughs> from that high. <laughs> I mean, buddy, I mean, that thing, the the morning that I left, I got up, I went out, and Dave's like, oh, you got to go out there and, you know, take a look. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I walked out there, and I, I was out there for twice as long as I wanted to. Just looking at the 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 sheer feat of engineering to put the driveway up the side of that hill to where this I mean, I spent half of the drive up not seeing the road yeah. because I couldn't see it past the front of my car. And I have like a little tiny Honda. I mean, it's not like I've got, you know, like a Trans Am with a, a, an 18 foot hood on it, right? I, it was amazing. I, I just could not imagine getting up there and the next morning going down. I was just saying to myself, I was like, please, brakes don't fail me now because I will be somewhere really fast and it'll hurt. Uh, yeah, parts unknown. <laughs> I mean, they might never find me. Oh. Uh, but good times, man. Like you said, the the cabin was perfect. Um, I thought it was a great, great little place. Everybody had their own little room they could go to, and I slept wonderfully. Um, 17 and, uh, miles. Walk, walking both days, I got 17 miles. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. Um, yeah, that the back nine, you know, like we said, was 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 a lot more contour. Um, that first day when we were all when we were all walking as a five some, you know, uh, the eleven and twelve, you know, our pace of play kicked down a notch or two because we were all kind of being like, a little draggy. We. John um, Mark said he walked but, eleven miles and had a giant blister where the bottom of his foot used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, I. What was it like the third hole? He had his full rain gear on when we, when we took <laughs> he, off. Vented. He had like ski pants on. And he, just fully he vented. Like, <laughs> he had like straight up like, you know, UK basketball shorts, shorts yeah. on there. Like, you know, ready to go. Like, it was Jordan. It was, you know, he always had his Tar Heel shorts on under his bull short. Like, I can see your Tar Heel shorts, bro. <laughs> oh, man, it was great. And, and every time the wind would blow a little bit, he'd flap like, like look like MC Hammer on the greens. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch this. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, yeah, that it was. It was a. It was a good time. It was. Um, I think it was the the right time for something like that to happen.
That was no hyperbole. That trip and that place for me were instant classics, to be held in high esteem and perpetuity. Walking five wide down those fairways, chopping it up as we discovered a new wonderful place in golf, unlike any that I'd played before, is now one of my favorite golf memories. In a way, it it bears a resemblance to my Scottish golf adventures with Matt and Fred, just laughing and competing our way around those beautiful golf playgrounds. I'll tell you this, going forward, there will be no King Collins nor Black Creek Club slander in my presence. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Head over to Apple Podcasts on iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show if you've got a moment. Each time someone leaves a five-star review for this audio engineering marvel of a show, their future putts get one degree straighter for the rest of the season. Guaranteed. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard here, sorry about that. I can't do anything about it now, but I will try to do better next time. I promise. And I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. Most importantly, though, I hope you're being safe and smart and sane out there. It's 2021, and it's going to be a great year for golf. So go clean your golf clubs, and don't skimp on the grips, and do decide to go for it, and take dead aim.